Well, I hope you guys are doing great and that you're excited and you're ready for the, the message today. If you are a new person uh, and, and you are new to Grace Church, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace. And you came, you came on a great Sunday, uh, right? I realize it's July and some people are on vacation and stuff, and that's great and amazing. But we are right in the thick of it. We are, we are having a great time. We're in a study called Love and Light, and it's a study on the book of 1 John. And so one of the things we try and do as a church is we try and touch on different things uh, in our culture and society in our lives and, and certainly take scripture and unfold it and open it up and, and really dive in deep uh, for what God has for us because we believe that God speaks to us through his word and it's powerful and significant and today's going to absolutely be the same. And so today I'm going to actually focus on the aspect of remaining. Uh, so like when you talk about remaining and, and the idea of what it is to remain, uh, it's, uh, it's extremely important to remain connected, to remain stable, to remain uh, in in an integral place and in a, an important part and have that part of our lives. But the word remain is something that, that isn't really sexy. You know, that when you talk about remaining and remaining, you know, consistent and disciplined, like that's not sexy. But here's the deal. If we've got to remain, because if you're off track right now, like if you would look at your life and go, things aren't right. I'm, they're just not lining up. I feel like I'm distracted. I'm pulled to the left or the right. I know what's going to happen. Uh, or, or maybe you're the type of person, like maybe you're, you're, everything's going well now, but then maybe in the future you, you find yourself off track, just distracted or pulled to one side. I know what's going to happen. Like I, I've come to the place in life and talking with people and seeing things kind of unfold, and you probably have as well. If things aren't the way that they need to be, we, we realize what might happen. And so when we talk about being disciplined and having consistency, those aren't really exciting, right? But they are extremely uh, vital in our relationship. They're extremely essential. And so when you, when you look at life and you look at us and you look at our church, like I feel like we have a great church. We have great people and great teams. We do amazing things in the community. We have amazing families and single people. But sometimes we get off track, Right? Isn't that so true? Some of you right now, you feel off track. You feel disconnected. Sometimes it's as a result of the, the relationships that we have in our life. Sometimes it's even the relationships that we have inside of the church. And so sometimes we get hurt by people that are in the church, by others in our group or people that we know. And it's never our intention, right? But unfortunately, it does happen at different times. And so maybe that's what has caused you to feel disconnected from God. And so I just, I want to encourage you, we've got to remain. Like we've got to press through. We've got to stay consistent and remain in a Bible-believing church. That's extremely important, a church that, that teaches God's word and stands upon authority and to remain faithful, to the Lord in our lives. And, and so that's super important uh, because when you look at some of the, the strategies that the devil uses against churches, two of them, no doubt, are disunity and gossip. Where, where the devil wants to bring, you know, fractions in relationships and cause issues and problems. That, that's his goal. That's what he wants. And then the other thing is he wants people to, to talk bad about each other. And so that, those are two of the strategies that, he's, that he has. And here's the deal. We won't allow that. Like here at Grace Church, we will have no part of that. The devil has no place in this church. And so we combat those and we, we battle against those. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that's not who we are. We want to remain connected. And we absolutely speak life about each other. And we understand God's word and what it communicates. And so First John in this study, it brings clarity 
for us in our lives. It brings both the love and the light that we long for and desire because we need clarity uh, in this day, in our lives. I mean, come on, let's be honest. In this culture, we need clarity. There's so much selfishness. There's so much dishonesty and deceit. There's so much immorality like that we can get clouded in our lives and, and the things that we're experiencing, we can get distracted. And so we need each other, right? We need God's word. We need a good, strong, healthy church to be a part of. And so when you look at 1 John and the importance of it, and you understand who John is, right? So John, the, the, the author of 1 John, uh, Bible scholars absolutely believe that John was basically Jesus's best friend, I mean, they were so tight, right? There were, there were 12 disciples, and of the 12, you know, a lot of people believe that John was the closest, even while at the Last Supper, right? So the, the disciples were celebrating the Passover meal with Jesus right before his betrayal and crucifixion, and this is what John says. It's actually in his gospel. In John 13, 23, it says, the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. And so John is basically saying that about himself. He's like, hey, I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. But he couldn't really say that. Like, that's a little bit egotistical. So he said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that's me and that's John. And so this is extremely important to understand who John is and the tight, tight relationship he had with Christ. Hugely important. And some other things that we know uh, about John, uh, that John was the only disciple that was not martyred. Uh, John was able to live out his whole entire life and died of, of natural causes. But when you look at some of the other disciples, uh, they were martyred uh, because of their faith. Uh, you have Peter and Andrew, where they were both crucified. Just like Jesus, they were killed by the Romans through crucifixion. And Peter didn't want to be crucified right side up because that's the way Jesus was. So Peter had them turn him upside down. So he was head side down, feet up while he was being, while he was being crucified. And then Matthew, uh, the disciple that we read about right, and, and understand, uh, it, it, Peter, or Matthew was impaled and then beheaded. Uh, in his life. And then Bartholomew, which not a lot of people uh, know about Bartholomew, right? He's one of the, the 12 disciples. There's not a lot about in him, but we understand what history says about him, that he literally died by being flayed with a whip, where he was whipped time and time again, that his flesh literally was, came off of his bones, and he died from being flayed as he was ripped to shreds. And so why is that, though? It's because these men would not deny Jesus. Simply, solely, they had followed him. They knew him. They knew he was the Messiah. And, and, and people were saying, just deny him. Just deny him. And, and we won't do this. We'll stop. No way. Absolutely not. To, to any degree, I'm willing to lay my life down because, of, because I know who Christ is. And so John, you know, he, he died of natural causes on the island of Patmos. And that's where, you know, he wrote the book of Revelation, uh, John wrote five books, and one of them, you know, is the last book in the Bible to understand the second coming of Christ and what that looks like. And so it's extremely important for us to know who John is. And so when, when he writes 1 John, he's much older. He's, he's kind of like a grandfather. Uh, it's a great way to, to picture John when you're reading this, to understand the love and the light. Like John is a grandfather, and, and I, I never knew my grandfathers. They both died uh, at, young, at a young age, and so I never knew them. But to me, when I, when I think about grand, grandpas, like John is a fan. Uh, so John is old. He's wise. He knew Jesus and knew him well. So you tell stories about Jesus. Uh, so John is old. He's wise. He's, wise. he's probably a little bit crazy, right? He writes the, the book of Revelation. 
it's a little bit different in how we read it. He probably takes two naps a day, just like every grandfather does. But he also loves so deeply like any papa would. And that's how he writes. And so God inspires John, this grandfather, to through the power of the Holy Spirit, to write for us. And so he's writing to us like we're his kids, like we're his grandkids. And we've got to understand that because right there in 1 John chapter 2, the first verse of that chapter, this is what he says. He goes, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Can you see the endearment in that? He's like, you're my dear children, and I don't want you to be disconnected from God. So this is incredible wisdom, incredible heart and love for us. He's like, you need to follow Jesus. You need to do what he did. You need to understand he's the model and the example. And so that's the man of John writing to us in his heart and his passion. And so what we're going to do in this message is we're going to jump down to verse 15. And so let's take a look at that right now. And so John writes very clearly. He says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And so in those verses, you can see that there's three significant things where he talks about a craving for physical pleasure, a lusting for what our eyes see, and pride in our lives. And so what we do is we share, uh, we, we use the, the New Living Translation version. Uh, so th- those are the, that's the terminology that's communicated in those verses. But in the NIV, it, it says very plainly, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life. And so those three things, John is writing. He's like, hey, you've got to be aware of the physical pleasure. You've got to be aware of everything we see, and you've got to be aware of pride in our lives. And so, and then I want to read verse 17, and we'll talk about those three particular things where, where he says, and, and, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So he lays those three, three things out, and he goes, whoa, 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 but all those things are going to pass away. We don't have to be persuaded by that, and we need to do what pleases God. And so to me, I'm like, thank God for sending Jesus. When you talk about those aspects, the things that pull us away, that get us off track, that we can follow Jesus and do the things that he did, and that God will get glory as a result. And so to me, when when you look at life, when you look at the decisions that you and I make, uh, we do not have any regrets when we're making decisions that bring glory to God. Uh, we only have regrets when we do things that we go, man, I wish I didn't do that. Man, that didn't turn out how I thought. Gosh, I, I didn't think that the end result was going to be like that. I wish I had known or else I wouldn't have done it, would not have done that. Because a lot of times maybe shame comes in our life or, or, or guilt. And so uh, this, the same is true just for just about all of our, our relationships, that our decisions, the ones that glorify God, bring him glory. And, and we're like, we're proud of those. Those are amazing. But the ones that get us off track, we, we wonder where we went wrong, what happened. And, and I see that that happen in relationships, especially in marriages, right? I mean, people don't go into a marital relationship planning on getting divorced. 
That's just not the case, right? You buy a diamond ring, you get engaged, you exchange vows. It's extremely important. The covenant of marriage, you get married you know, with a pastor. And so, I mean, yeah, the couple is going to have some differences, right? They're going to have some things that they're going to have to work through, of course. I mean, that's the case in every single relationship. And unfortunately, some people do choose divorce. But what I've found is most people really want to work through it. They're willing to do the hard work. They're willing to have the conversation. They're willing to have the discussion and get some help so they can try and work it out and try and figure it out. It's extremely important. But marriages do crumble apart. But that's not the design, right? It's just they got off track in the midst of the struggle. And that's what happens in our relationship with the Lord, if we're totally honest, I mean, many of us in our lives, we've gotten off track before, or maybe you feel like you're off track right now. But when those storms come, right? You know the storms, and then we, we feel them, and, and they, we, it feels like heavy pressure. That's, that's not when we quit, right? When the storm is coming, and it's, or we're in the middle of it, that's not when we give up. I mean, for us that are here in Florida as Floridians, we, like, we know storms, right? We know hurricanes. Uh, to me, there's two things that everybody else in the nation uh, doesn't like about Florida. It's alligators and hurricanes. Like anybody that you talk to, they're like, alligators, and you're going, oh, man, like they, they stay away from you. And, and hurricanes, you go, oh, but, you know, you can track the hurricane, can't we? I mean, gosh, nowadays with technology, we can watch the storm develop as it comes off the Horn of Africa. I mean, oh, my gosh, like we can track that thing all the way across the Atlantic Ocean weeks before it ever arrives here. And, and then, you know, we can track it down to really kind of a cone. And yeah, there's some variance, no doubt, because it's the weather and it's really hard to predict 100%. But gosh, when, when that storm's coming and we know it's going to be near, we begin to make preparations, don't we? In the, like, we know the storm's coming. And so we prepare in advance, we go to the store, we buy some canned food, we make sure we have plenty of water, we make sure you know, all the trees are trimmed in our yard and like the house and it is settled and good. We put our hurricane shutters up if we have them. And, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, right before the storm hits, if you go around the community, and all of us do, like everybody's scrambling. Like, have you noticed that? There's people driving everywhere, leaving work, buying plywood. Like, there's no supplies anywhere. Uh, and I mean, gosh, that's right before the storm and all the preparations. But then when the storm is coming, unless you're insane, like there's nobody on the road. Like, there's, like it's empty. Nobody. Everybody is in their home right, in their house or in their apartment or with somebody in a safe place. And, and we understand the importance of that. And we stay in the house. You know, it's, it's not like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the winds are up to 150. Let, let's, let's go play outside. It's like, no, 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 like there's debris flying. You got you to gotta stay inside the house. And the same is true in our relationship with the Father, where God is saying, hey, there's going to be storms in your marriage, in your relationship, in your business. There's going to be storms. Stay in the house. We've made preparations. Dial in. Don't quit on your marriage. Weather the storm and push through. And so in our lives, like I really believe many of us, we know what's right. Uh, but sometimes we just struggle 
in that and to walk that out, to remain consistent is a challenge. And so that's why we're going to focus on it. And a lot of times we leave for these three reasons why John gives to us. So the first is just the physical pleasure, right? And we understand that that's the lust of the flesh. Uh, it's very apparent in our lives. and it's, it's things that we long for and desire where it leads us to a place of immorality. Uh, these are sexual sins that lead us and, and distract us. They, they become part of our life and, and we, we regret them. We wish they weren't. It's something that we indulge in, right? That we realize it's for our physical desires that we try and satisfy. And anytime I, I think about just these and, and who had it really, really good, uh, you ever think about that? Like in all of history, who had it the best, right? If you think of this age and, and past centuries and, and different decades and millennia and, and people groups and countries, of all the world, in all of history, who had it the best? I, I, sometimes I think about that. And for me, I would say, okay, well, I think there's two groups of people. One is Adam and Eve. Right? They had it perfect. They were in the garden. And then I would also say Jesus' disciples. Right? I mean, I, are you kidding me? Like, they got to follow Jesus. That's amazing. So what I want to do, like, when you look at those two groups, like, when you look at Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden, which is perfect, and it's amazing. I mean, everything is theirs. I mean, everything that their eyes could see, like, the, the, everything. And it's like, oh, like everything that they could see that they could look. And, and God is like, hey, this one thing right back here, you can't have that. Like, don't eat that fruit. So 99.9% .9 of everything that you see is all yours. Have fun. Enjoy it. But this 0.1% back here, you can't have that. And for some people, we would say, okay. I got it. I can handle 99%. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. I don't need that back there. And I don't like fruit anyways. Like you can keep that. I don't need it. Like I'm good. And so, I mean, maybe you're just, you're one of those people. You're on some crazy diet. There's so many crazy diets out there. People are eating like tree bark and mulch and dirt and like all these crazy, ridiculous things. And, and my wife, she's gluten-free. And so she likes the red mulch the best. It has flavor to it, I guess. I, I don't know. And I, I remember just, you know, it was probably a few months ago now, she, she looked at me. She's like, I want a donut. And I was like, oh my God, you're scaring me right now. Like, I want a donut. I just want a donut. And so here's the deal. Maybe you don't like fruit and you're good with the 99%. But what if it's donuts that are hanging from that tree that God says, hey, you can't have that. And you're going, but I want a donut. And, and we think we need it right? And, and we, we desire it. We long for it. We want to have it. And we're even willing to deal with the repercussions if we make the decision. And so when you think about that, that's the physical pleasure, the cravings that we long for. And what happens is Satan begins to entice us and, and tempt us with those things. And then he comes in and he says, you know, God can't really give you everything anyways, right? And all he's trying to do is plant seeds of doubt in our life. So we begin to think that the physical pleasure will give us what we long for and desire. And we fall for it. I mean, Adam and Eve fell for it, right? They did. They, they couldn't do it. I mean, some people would have been like, I'm good. Like, I, I, are you kidding me? That would have been amazing. I mean, and part of me, uh, 
I'm a little bit mad that they sinned. I, I hope that's okay for me to say. Like, I'm going, come on, people. Like, you had so much. And, and the one thing you had to have that, I mean, we're talking about a man that never did anything wrong. Like, come on, husbands. Like, that, that's a, like a man that never did anything wrong. And a wife that was perfect in every single way. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And they didn't wear clothes. Like, that's incredible. And, and they messed it all up. They messed up everything. You guys didn't get my clothes part. I went, through, I went too fast through that. So you got Adam and Eve, and like they couldn't do it. And, and so, but they had all this, you know, this opportunity. And, and then I look at Jesus' disciples. I mean, come on, somebody. Like, we're talking about, so Jesus is born. He has his, his life, his ministry before the crucifixion. The disciples got to hang out with Jesus for like years, years and years. I mean, we're talking about friends with Jesus, walking with him, hanging out with him, you know, going out to eat. You know, like, I mean, we're talking about every single aspect of life was spent with God's son, who is the redeemer for all humanity and the Messiah, the savior. I mean, they got to be with him and hang out. I mean, how much more could you want? I mean, if you're like, hey, you, let's, we don't have any food. Okay, I'll make some. Like, are you kidding? That's incredible. But the disciples, they were arguing. They were arguing about who's the best. Like, and John even's like, I'm the one that Jesus loved. I mean, and, and then Jesus needed them to pray one time for him. They were having a, a late night prayer time. And Jesus was like, I need you to stay up and pray. And they, they didn't. Like, they fall asleep. And, and so when you look at just the understanding of Jesus and the disciples, like Jesus was truly concerned uh, for them. And so he, he, when he was telling them that he was going to die, he was concerned about how they were going to respond. And so this is what he says in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so the advocate is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was saying very clearly, he's like, hey, I've got to go away. And so then the advocate gets to come in and he will guide you. He will protect you. He will empower you in, in all these incredible things. And so what I want to say to you is maybe, just maybe, we actually have it better than Adam and Eve and better than the disciples because we can have forgiveness in our life where the things that we do wrong, when we apologize to God, he, he, he makes us clean. He, for, he forgives us, he, he, and, and that's incredible. And then he makes us holy and pure before him where we get to worship, and he gives us the Holy Spirit, which empowers us and guides us and, and leads us in the direction that we want. So maybe, just maybe, we have it better than they do. And so we've got to have this perspective and this understanding in our life and live through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you talk about physical pleasure, right, I could pick any sin in relation to physical pleasure, uh, but I, I want to use the example of adultery because it really fits well in this context. So I want to share with you in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3, and it says, For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she's as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. And so do you see what, what's being communicated where she's seductive, right? She's sweet. Her words are enticing and they draw us in. But in the end, 
she'll kill you. She'll kill you. And that's just the reality. And so one of the things that uh, I have this wonderful opportunity to do is to just lead people to Christ and encourage them and lead groups and lead people and, and disciple them. And, and so one of the things that just me personally, I love it when people just get it. It's like the light bulb comes on. I'm talking, I'm explaining, I'm teaching things. I'm laying out kind of the, the, how things work and, and how we can go about decisions and have our connection with God. And, and here's why I feel that way. I get it. Like, I totally get it. And that's what I want to do. And, and here's why I feel that way. I feel like I head in a cert, certain direction. I travel down a path. I kind of see what, what, what's going on, what the direction is. And then I feel like I come back. Right? I come back to the trailhead. You know, if I travel down a trail and then I come back and I get a group of people together and I'm like, hey, just so you know, we're like, we can head in this direction. And when we head in this direction, this is what we're going to see. This is what we're going to encounter. This is the valley that we're going to go through. This is the type of weather that we might encounter. And so I basically act like a guide to people and lead them. I describe the journey. I, I, I talk about how to be prepared for what we're going to encounter. I talk about what to bring and what to expect on this path that we're going to go down. And some people, they look at me and they go, all right, let's do it. And they fill up their backpack with the stuff. They, they know what they're going to encounter. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be awesome and amazing. And then other people look at me and they go, nah, like I know you're talking about heading in that direction towards the Lord, but no thanks. Like I'm going to head in this other direction that I, I want to go in. And I can say, but, but I know that way. Like, I, I know what happens if you get off track and you're not heading in the right, right direction. I know how it ends up. And it doesn't end up how you think. Because in the end, it's enticing and it looks sweet and it looks better. But the end, that way leads towards death. And so craving physical pleasure can destroy us. And John is telling us that. The second thing that he talked about uh, is the, the lust with our eyes. And there's a great verse that Job wrote in, in Job 31, verse 1. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And so obviously, you know, Job is talking about, you know, the, the lust uh, t- towards a female. And, and, and we get that. For those of us that are men, we understand that. And, and we have to build boundaries and barriers to, to prevent ourselves from doing that. But I, I would say to every single one of us, and, and including the ladies, it, it, it's everything. Like it's everything else. We can look at things and lust for them and long for them. It's, it's where we look at something and we have a craving or a longing and a desire. And in fact, in, in this context, we've got to understand that, that this was so important that God gave it to Moses to put in the Ten Commandments, right? You have the Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't, don't, don't steal. And number 10 is do not covet, do not look with your eyes at something and long for it. So that, that, and that covers every single one of us. To want it, to desire it, to be willing to do anything to get it. That's what John is reiterating that, that the Lord you know, communicates to us. And when you talk about seeing things, right? Seeing things with our eyes and lusting you know, with our eyes. I, I know for me, I, 
I'm 44 now, and it seems like over the last like year and a half, my vision was really good, and then it, over the last year and a half, it like literally fell off a cliff. And so my, my boys will bring something to me, or my wife will show me her phone, and she'll put it right here. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I need that outstretched arm out. Oh, in fact, I need a selfie stick to send it so far away so I can actually see what you're trying to show me because I, I can't see. Here, look at this. And uh, it's all blurry. Like, and so, like, when you talk about our eyes, right, they're so, so, so important, and we, and we get that. And so John is talking about it. He's like, hey, your eyes are so valuable and important, literally they can distract you. If, you. if you battle with the lust of the eyes, that can be the first step in the wrong direction because of what you see. And so we've got to recognize that first step. Um, what are we allowing ourselves to see? What are we allowing ourselves to be distracted by, to get exposed to? And so John is going, that, that, that exposure is extremely important. And so what, what happens is we see it and we want it and desire it. So we move in that direction and it leads us towards sin. And so I just, I want to encourage you, we can remain faithful, right? We can see it and identify it as such as sin and turn and not travel down that path or not deal with that and not covet the things that we see. Whether it's a person or a possession or something else or an idea, we have to be aware that that's the case. The third thing that John touches on is pride, right? The pride of life, the pride of our possessions, the pride of the things that we have. And, and we are fully aware of what pride is, right? We know it's our ego. We know it's arrogance. Uh, we know we want to boost our ego and feel better about ourselves, and we get puffed up and haughty. And so there's something interesting when you talk about pride, though, because that's what we often look at pride. But the opposite of pride is insecurity, isn't it? Like it, it, when we're boosting our ego, we know it's pride. It's like, yeah, yeah, look at me. But when we feel that our ego is not boosted enough, what, what do we experience? We experience insecurity in our life. So this is interesting to think about. Um, because I would say that's a vicious cycle that often we get trapped in where, where we need our pride boosted. And when it's not, we, we struggle with insecurity. And then we, we, it's like we swing on this pendulum back and forth between pride and insecurity. And it's a vicious cycle that we experience. And so when you think about just our lives and what we do, and, and we are to bring glory and honor to God in our lives, but there is nothing that you and I can do that will impress God, right? I mean, Paul is very clear. He, he says that, that, the, that our righteousness are like filthy rags uh, to the Lord because he's perfect. He's love and he's light. So when you and I do something wonderful and we go, hey, I, I served at Grace Church and I did Saturday serve day. I was in the community and I went to this spot and like, look at me. Isn't that so awesome? Like, look what I did. And God goes, yeah, that's great. That's awesome, but I made another star in the universe and you just don't see it yet because the light hasn't reached earth. And so there's nothing, some of you just went, Pow! like, I, I mean, there's nothing that we can do that impresses God. Like we, 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 it, it, it's us remaining faithful. It's us remaining consistent, even despite the storm, despite what's going on. And so when we do things to get noticed, right? Or we want the applause. That's exactly what John is talking about. He's like, hey, you're trying to feed your own ego and that's going to be a problem for you. 
And so let me ask you this question. What do you do that gives applause to Jesus? Because in all those verses, you know, that John was talking about, he's like, but everything that we do has got to give attention and glory to the Father. And so what is it, instead of pride for yourself and making yourself look better, what are you doing that Jesus is getting all the accolades and attention? And so let me encourage you with this. When the clouds are building, right, and we know that the storm is coming, um, and even if we're in the middle of a storm, right? It's just on us and we're battling. I mean, maybe just what are some of our decisions, maybe it was caused because of the physical pleasure or the lust of our eyes or the pride of life. But when we deal with that, when we recognize we're in that, we can hold fast. We can remain faithful. So we take this step where we remove those things. And that's what's incredible uh, about the Lord, where he brings his love in our lives. And so we can confess our sins before him and he's faithful and he's just and he's good and he cleanses us from those things. And we need that. And so maybe as I was talking, as I was sharing, some of these examples kind of resonated with you. And you're like, man, I'm right in the middle of a storm that I created. Or maybe you're off track and you're heading in a direction that you know is not right and it's not good. And you know things need to turn around and change. Let me tell you something. You are exactly in the right place where you need to be because God will give forgiveness to those of us that ask him Uh, because of Jesus and what he did and and, and the penalty that he took for our sins, we can have that restoration. And then we can just take these steps where we feel God's presence, where we can walk in his righteousness and walk in purity before him. That's incredible. The, The deep theological term is sanctification, where we're sanctified, we're made pure and holy because of Jesus. And we can live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. So despite the storm, whether you caused it or something you're walking into and God wants us to remain faithful in it, we absolutely can do that. And so what I want to do right now as we wrap up this service, I'm going to close in a time of prayer, but I need you to just have some personal reflection. You know, in your communication with the Lord, you identify where you're at and just be honest with him. And so if you could be willing to bow your head and close your eyes, let's all pray together. You know, if you kind of identify with some of those things that just, you're like, oh man, it needs to be different. It needs to change. This is an incredible opportunity where the Lord says that we can turn things around and pursue after him. And maybe just maybe you know, you know that you need that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and I just need you to pray and believe, right, that this is going to happen and, and take those steps to pursue after the Lord in an incredible way. So let's, in our honesty and exposing our hearts, because God is both light and love, he's drawing us in. So let's pray uh, before him. Let, God, we love you. God, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your scripture and your word. Uh, it does guide us. It gives us light on our feet and on our path. Uh, Lord, and, and it gives us just the light in the midst of the storm. It's like a lighthouse where, where we may be struggling and battling, but we know the direction. And so God, thank you so much that you do that. And so Father, we just want to acknowledge how much we need you. Lord, we are so sorry for the things that we've done, the sins that we've committed. 
whether with our eyes or in our bodies or in our own self and pride and selfishness. <laughs> Lord, we acknowledge that before you. We ask that you would bring forgiveness in our life like never before. God, that we might know you, that you might get the glory, that we might do things that bring applause towards you. Jesus, we want you to occupy our lives. Every single thought, every single uh, thing that we see, Lord, that would be you. And Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit like never before. God, only you can do that. Only you can give us your spirit. And so we ask for that right now, that we would be empowered and emboldened to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.